Well, it's a bumper edition tonight. I've decided I'm not going to be depressed by myself. So I've invited four of the QPR fans to keep me company in the misery that is QPR in the league, in the FA Cup and everything. Kevin McSweeney's back. You all right, Kevin? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for inviting me. Ah, you're more than welcome. I needed some help. Nick Astor is his debut. And yeah, you're a long-time listener and, and long-time funky flower person. So... We've had many a chat over a delivery. Hello, Nick. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Paul. Actually, I've been away for a few weeks, so uh, I still believe I still think that we're on the march up the table. I'm blissfully yeah. ignorant. Oh Christ! This is going to be. <laughs> oh dear. I think maybe you should go and watch what's on BBC One or something. Or go and watch some box sets or something. I don't know. I mean, this might not be your thing. And Steve Bernard <laughs> back. Hello, Steve. How are you? Doing really well. Uh, thank you, Paul. Um, great to be back on with you guys. I'll say it like it, you know. <laughs> I bet you well, can't no, win. Okay, we're going to spend another. We're going to spend an hour, aren't we, talking about um, all things going on at QPR? So uh, I'll steal myself. Um, yes, no. It's in in all seriousness, pretty good to be with you guys. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. It's very kind of you to say so. And we've got a debut from James Allard, who is a podcaster, ITV person, big wig on podcast, and has just told me the reason why he does that is because he's going to spend his time talking about QPR. <laughs> Welcome to the QPR podcast. Yes, thank you, Paul. It's a it's a joy to to finally sit down and chat with you guys. Yeah, as I say, I don't I don't talk about QPR too much because I get the sort of I'm sure you guys have all had it. I get the death stare whenever I they, people go, oh, and who do you support? And I say QPR, and they they either sort of sympathise if they are aware, or what what happens more often is people just kind of look through you confused at the three letters that I've just said. Um, so I've, yeah, I've been lucky that I kind of, I, it's been a place of, as I say, a little place of sort of solace where I don't have to, um, be burdened by Twitter too much. Cause I've got a lot of friends who support Tottenham or whoever they support. And whenever they lose, it's like, there's a pile on to, to sort of wind them up. Whereas people were quite indifferent to QPR. So, so at least I have that, but I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be good. So when I tell them, people normally look at me like I've just told them I put my dog down and then they say something like, Oh, I always like QPR. Yeah, like... yeah, yeah. Or some some nonsense about. Did you know you had a bigger wage bill? Yeah, I know we had a bigger wage bill. Than... <laughs> or you, or, or did you know you had a plastic pitch? Or the one I always the one I always get is, oh, you're the one, and it's like, oh, please. Yeah, I got it from a freaking Barnet farm once. And no, well, they're all disrespected about it because I live here and I don't like them. But yeah. I was like, really? I'll take it from some people, but from you, not. Are you serious? Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, but. I think at the moment we just get the yeah you're right James it's the bigger wage bill in Dortmund the old plastic pitch and then the guns in the boardroom and your shit yeah and the hack has been the the annoying one recently sadly that wasn't good that yeah. was not good that was not well, good for anyone you know my rebuttal is always well we we stayed up it worked not for long, but it, you know, if you stop at the end of the season, it works. Steve, Steve will tell you. Get the analytics out. We're we're above that line. Nothing. We, we, we did finish above that line, and um, there you go. Happened. Now, now, but you know the old adage: it's um, uh, correlation doesn't always equal causation. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so draw your own conclusions about the hacker. Indeed. Yeah, no, it was a bit. I think to be fair, it was. It, I could see why he did it. I wish he hadn't. 
I, you know I, I I'd interviewed him in the international break kind of after that. Yeah. And on the way out, um, I was sort of chatting to the media team and I'd thought, I'd thought, come on, media team, like, don't put that out, right? Now, in, yeah. then in the interview, I talked to Gareth Ainsworth and you've probably heard this because he said a lot of the same things a lot, a lot. He was always talking about how I don't have social media and I don't have this and that, so I don't really know. And anyway, I won't, it's not throwing the media team under the bus because I think our media team's unbelievable, but it, it came to be that actually Ainsworth wanted that kind of put out, not the media really? team. So, so they couldn't really do much about it because he, he wanted to, he thought without, you know, without the understanding of Twitter and social media and all these things that this is him trying to galvanize the squad, put it out there. And then of course, you know, it was a disaster, wasn't it? Um, that, but again, that, actually, if you look at the stats, we beat did we beat Watford after that? Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then lost, they lost to Blackpool. Blackpool. Yeah, they, all those Twitter accounts just had it ready to, to all in their drafts, just waiting for the right defeat, and there it was. <laughs> but Blackpool. to be fair, James, what you what you just said there is really interesting um, because I mean, if you've ever worked in uh, for a company in the corporate world, that kind of stuff in house isn't uncommon. That kind of team building, let's all do something out of our company. Well, it's never happened to Funky Flowers. Well, okay, well they waffle. It's uh, lessons to be learned there. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, but it's putting it out there in the public um, realm that I think was the big problem. So that's really interesting in terms of how that actually came to be. It makes sense that the it makes sense that the media team didn't want it to come out because yeah. when, when you saw it you were like i'm so they because they're usually quite savvy and it's like well, yeah i'm surprised that went out do you know what? Yeah, yeah, there to... were no winners to it you, ainsworth could have easily worked out who was on board and who was not without it going out well the, the thing around. is it was, there was enough staff though nick there was ramsey there was hall there was um impy there was paul furlong there was um Loads of people who are working there could turn around and say, by the way, Richards comes and goes. Nobody knows. Um, so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. And um, if you're not careful, they'll throw you under the bus like they did with Critchley. So uh, yep. word of warning, Gareth. Um, they're not great, at, um, do, not, not, not great at defending a manager, but great at throwing them under the bus would be the way we're saying it. Which brings us on nicely to Saturday because... Um, I, I sat there on Saturday, I'll be honest. I'm not the most optimistic of people. If you ever listen to this podcast, will know. And my mate turns around, Alan, and he goes, you know what? Because he's from Northern Ireland as well, so I can do a really crap Northern Irish accent, even though I've actually got one. I don't know why people do that. I always do Irish accents when I take the piss out of myself as well. I always get the... Anyway, anyway. So he's sitting there and he's going, oh, I can actually watch the draw. I can watch the draw. I haven't watched a fourth round draw for years. And, he, and I goes, I wouldn't bother, mate. Seriously, not going to happen. And sadly, I was right, because I just kind of, I mean, am I right or wrong, Steve? Because you were about to say about the FA Cup anyway, but did you, 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 I think you felt we were going to actually win. Well, well I thought at half-time we were going to win. Um, <laughs> actually, I didn't really. Um, no, it's uh, it, it, it felt at half-time, though, you know, when you're, when you're queuing up to get a beer um, in, the, uh, in the concourse, it's... Uh, Great five or six points together. Uh, <laughs> maybe uh, you know it feels like something's um it, it's starting to come together you know maybe we're going to pull off this surprise result um and uh suddenly that can kind of um we can we can take something from that and take it forward into the kind of league form just that little spark that's that's what we really need that that kind of little spark from anywhere and it felt at half time like i say that we were we were 
maybe on the cusp of something there. But let's be honest, Bournemouth had had um, some pretty good chances in the first half, which they'd um, which they'd squandered. And as soon as they come out at half time, they're gonna they're gonna roll right through us because just fundamentally they're a much better team and um, didn't help ourselves in terms of conceding so quickly. Um, the set pieces, I'm sure we'll discuss it kind of at length on this pod, but the set piece defending is just diabolical, really, and it's absolutely killing us this season. Um, you got some stats on that. Well, we haven't. And actually, if we come to talk about the Watford game coming up, I'll, I'll surprise you with a stat about that. But, um, but yeah, well, it's, uh, it's a shame. Really we're on the cusp of something and, um, and uh, just in typical QPR fashion, just kind of blew it. Nick, you say you've been away. Did you get to the game on Saturday? No, I couldn't. I, we were. I had a family thing, long-standing thing that I couldn't couldn't change, so we didn't. I, we watched it. Why didn't you um, play me? So <laughs> next one. Thank you. Um, Carry on. We no. I we we. Well, I managed to to to, to watch it um, on the phone, um, and we were yeah. We I, I was sat with my son, and we were excited at two 0 and and then remembered uh, that that. The game still still has corners, and forty five minutes is a lot of lot of time to give away a corner. Oh, shocking, James! Come on, you're professional. What did you watch with your professional head and your QPR heart? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not really helping here because I, I have had the full debrief from my dad, who I sit with, who it's his fault. I'm a QPR fan, um, and he he said, you know, a lot of what Steve said in terms of that inevitability that they they were actually really good kind of throughout and. Uh, you know, according to missed a few chances in the first half. I think obviously with the with the players that I, I'd read sort of earlier that we were going to miss for this one, I was sort of very concerned about the the eleven. But I was interested to see uh, Armstrong and Dykes. My dad told me a story about how Armstrong scores the goal, and and I, I'd love to know people's thoughts on Armstrong because he is so exciting, and I'm desperate to adore him. But my gut feels like he's just not the striker that I w- I'm desperate for him to be and I'm desperate to be wrong um, but my dad said that there was a there was a chance where he saw he burst forward and then could have passed the ball and like smashed it over the bar and it was very much one of those ones where lots of promise from Armstrong and then the final finish isn't there and then he goes through again near the end and, and does what he does and that was you know that was outrageous. And often I'll get messages from people. I've got a friend of mine who's a big uh, Bournemouth fan he, and I messaged him before I said if you if we win this I will faint and he said at half time, get ready to faint. And I, I said, wait. <laughs> and uh, and it all came to be. But I'd love to know uh, what people thought of of Sinclair Armstrong and his performance, because it was nice to see him, you know, get a finish. And uh, as disappointing as it is with the set pieces, I think around that there are there are positives with uh, for Fuentes. I really I do really, really like him. Um, mm. And and if Armstrong can us scoring two goals in a game, bizarrely, I actually kind of found some positives in that. But yeah, I'd love to know what you know. Someone who was at the game, what they uh, thought of the of Sinclair Armstrong in particular. Did he was he good? Was he not? The, tr- the trouble is, I'll, I'll be honest, and Kevin didn't I'll bring you in. We may never find out because his contract's up at the end of the season, and um, it, it, along with Field and quite a few others that worry me is. Why we've let Armstrong and we're playing him and we're letting his contract run out at the end of the season without renewing it is, is just the most QPR thing ever. And now, I suppose we're looking over a cliff. Nobody's going to let the players sign for us in case we're not in this division next season. So that's not going to work for us. But I think there's something wrong, though. He's just got to decide whether he's a winger or a striker. Um, he, could, he could probably be either or. 
Plus, he should have been on loan for two seasons, um, coming up the leagues. Maybe go non league, league two, league one, then in the championship, probably this season. They had done it properly, but needs must, and we've got no strikers, so he was thrown in. I think he's a, he's a good player. He will be a good striker, but might not necessarily be with us. Kevin, I thought with Sinclair Armstrong that on Saturday you could see the work that Sofentes had Sofentes had yeah. done with him on the training pitch because finally he was move he was moving and making runs, and they they'd worked out he could roll the def- he could roll the defender. And that was the difference that he had the confidence to do that. So that was big progress compared to what we've had before, which has been very raw. And really, you were kind of running out of patience with Sinclair from the point of view that you didn't think he was gonna he was gonna make it. He still not might not make it in some ways, or he might not make it with us. But that if you could get that improvement rolling on for the rest of the season, you could get some goals out of him because the goal he took, he took really well. And the he scored some good ones for the Republic of Ireland as well on the 21s. He scored some really good quality goals for them. So that was that was the one shining positive of uh Saturday that he what that he'd had he understood what he was being asked to do and he did do it. Do you think he played better because he had Dykes up alongside him? Rather than being asked to play as a as a lone striker, I don't know. It's hard with Dykes because he drops back quite a lot, doesn't he? And I wouldn't say Dykes is in great confidence, and he tends to retreat. But but Dykes is an odd one. I think I think Armstrong. It was nice to see Armstrong showing real composure when he got through, Um, and that does suggest that with games and and as you say, Paul, maybe a lone move he would develop into. Do they have uh, a much better striker? Like those players, as Paul says, they should have been Sinclair Armstrong should have been out last year getting experience the whole year at and maybe at two different levels. Because it's in division one or something that you need that experience. He went to Aldershot, didn't he, for three, four months? And then he really they really do need to develop. But the problem with the lack of strikers we've got is they're saying, Oh, I need them for so many minutes when it's not real development for him if you add up all his minutes last year and see what they came to. Especially when you think his stats are terrible, but that's not his fault. You know, he's played 30 games more than he should have done, really. He's the rawest, one of the rawest players I've ever seen, you know, mm-hmm. when when you see him, see, see him in that way. His development has been stunted by uh, managers' egos, really, saying, no, I want him around us when you're not really benefiting him. He's raw everywhere. He's raw emotionally as well. I mean, I think he burst into tears two or three times last year on the pitch. Almost, he's he 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 he's he's a sort of very immature player in many ways, but has all the physical attributes to be a very good player. I, do we, do we say, not have a year option on him? No. Is he not one that we've got an option on? No, I don't. I don't think he. I I, I think he is actually out of contract. Um, right. at the risk of getting this completely wrong, I'm pretty sure he is out of contract this summer. Um, which is a bit of a problem because they've been trying to tie him down for a while, but um, unsurprisingly with no success at the moment, because if it's true that some of the clubs that are always rumoured to be interested in him are genuinely interested in him, then uh, it's unlikely he's going to hang around for very long uh, because a move to somebody perhaps in the Premier League, uh, perhaps in Scotland, that would possibly then facilitate a move for him on loan somewhere else in the Championship where he could develop into a really nice player. 
Am I, uh, am I am I crazy here though that he's he's not a Premier League player? Like, I'm not well, sure he's a he's I'm not, not sure he's, he's a championship player right now. No, he's 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 not yet. And this comes back to this thing about development. Like Kevin's absolutely right. Um, it's a really really good way of putting it. His development has been stunted by <clears throat> certainly last season and probably this season not going out on loan to um, League One or two. Um, it's remarkable actually that he hasn't ever played in League One or two. He's just basically played on for. Uh, in the National League. So um, he's got a lot of learning to do. It's a really interesting point about the um, it, uh, the emotional kind of immaturity. He's often, uh, when he's been substituted, he's often sort of walked around the pitch, sort of yeah. chattering away and getting <laughs> very obviously angry about being subbed uh, whenever it happens. Um, and the fear is with him, I guess, that, and this is just speculation, What's his incentive for signing a new contract at, at QPR, really, if, again, the interest in him from higher up is um, is concrete? Uh, you know, I, I probably wouldn't blame him for taking a move, to be honest. I think it's, it's going back to the immaturity, um, I don't think it is that, and you'll probably disagree with me. And I'm not just saying it because he's Irish and I'm Irish, and I always get accused of having Irish coloured glasses on or whatever you want to call it. Um I think it means so much to him and he wants to prove so many people wrong and he just wants, he's so desperate for it to work and he's been labelled as this, you know, he's going to be the new hope, he's going to do this, he's going to do that. The pressure on him must be immense and then the amount of games, I mean, he hasn't scored for this game, the games he hasn't scored for that amount of games, the pressure on a lad like that is too much. And also he's seeing three different managers in a year. For a young lad, that's crazy. Um, so I think a lot of things have gone against him. I think the one thing that's gone for him is he stuck away with it. But you, yeah, the, he, no. Pl- I think everyone's at Rangers is 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 kind of defeat fatigue as well a little bit. The players, I know we've got it. I mean, Jesus. I mean, Steve. I mean, how many teams have got the records that we've got for defeats and FA Cup exits? It's it's that's just that's not bad luck. That's badly run, surely. Yeah, it's 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 terrible, and it's a combination of certain managers in the past just not um, prioritizing it. Um, I don't even think when you look at it, we've had massively difficult draws in the third round, kind of going. Back. We'd had Swansea as well, which could have been an, an easier game to get to, and another home match. So they keep saying we're skimp, we've got no money, FFP. Well, you keep getting yourself booed out of the freaking cups. Yeah, well. The, you see, I'd probably take the other side of that for this season because normally I'd agree with you, um, but on that topic. But we, um, we don't need, we don't really need extra games at the moment. The squad's really thin. I, I there, there's definitely a, um, a case to be made that we should have prioritised the FA Cup a bit more in previous seasons when the squad was um, a little fatter than it was than it is now. But in the league. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. But it, it's yeah, managers have made different choices in terms of the priorities they have and they wouldn't be um we wouldn't be the only club to do that either but well, it is a massive shame and it's, it's certainly a massive shame when you tune it up and uh and you can't hold on to at least a point uh, at least a draw no kevin you're gonna say something there yeah warburton's was the strangest one when he rested when he put uh naki wells and uh by i'll say samuel on the bench against sheffield wednesday and saving them for blackburn away in the league on the chat, well, yeah, that that was the biggest faux pas he ever made as a manager at QPR. James, I mean, you you watch a lot of other football and you watch Rangers, and again, it's your day job and your 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 hat and stuff. 
we aren't helping ourselves at times, are we? We just seem to be just, just sort of struggle after struggle after struggle. And it's kind of almost the fan base has been beaten down. I don't remember a time when it has been this low, actually. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really hard. It's really, really hard. And um do you know what? I, I I'm having to admit it. Deep bizarrely, was it Stoke? The what yeah, when we beat him when we had ten men. Mm. I um I, I I I'm quite vocal when I go watch QPR um swearing, whatever whatever needs to be done, right? And, uh, okay. Uh, so that's good. And uh I um I got so emotional after that Stoke City game. And the reason mm. for it was that you put out constant hope. Uh, yeah, no, that's what we would have to do. And then you see these tweets where we're the, you know, we're the worst team to support in the last 10 years, worst team to support in the last five years. I've got the best mate who's a Brentford fan who's just sort of sailed through the leagues by being smart, by having a plan. And 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 everything that we kind of were gently building, we we just we shat the bed last year and completely gave up on on that philosophy, on what we were about, on what is the route to getting yourself to the Premier League, because you you have mm. to understand where you are in the food chain. And to come back to the FA Cup record, we're, we've bizarrely been in this sort of sweet spot of being perfect to get knocked out of the FA Cup because we've either been a team at the bottom of the Premier League who could do without it and isn't in good um, form. We've had very <laughs> meh, boring, horrible draws each year it seems and then when we're in the championship again we've you know we've often been sort of 16 or, or knocking around that that area as well so again it we're in that sort of sweet spot of uh then playing a team that's like in the playoffs for the league one or doing well in the championship and they end up taking it away from us what what i am so pleased with and is my sort of guiding light in terms of hope is for fuentes if you look yeah. and steve can uh, i'm sure can back me up on this the the thing the way you get out of this, it, it's very simple. Is you is you concede less and you stay in the game and you give yourself a chance, especially with a light squad. And it has to be about the collective, not not too much the individuals. Or if you have got a couple of individuals, can you have a a, a system of play that's going to give those guys a chance? And if you look at our um, expected goals against. That is the one for me. And when you're seeing us hold on to the ball and hold on to the ball and we're getting frustrated with Jimmy Dunn, who is maybe not the perfect guy for this this style of play, the thing that you've got to keep coming back to is that we are conceding so many less chances from open play. We can talk about the set pieces, but that is something that you we pray we will get better at. We have the ball much more and we concede a lot less. And and that means that we're still in these games. Now, I know the record's not great right, right now. And I also know that it's going to come down to Chair and Willock being available, I think, uh, or Sinclair Armstrong, who very, very quickly has come back to him. I don't think if he has the right attitude, I think he lacks composure a little bit. And I think yeah, you're right. Emotionally, he want, he's so desperate to do well, that can get to him. But I, I think he could learn so much from this manager and develop very quickly. And, and I think of someone like Bright Say Samuel, when Kevin's talking about rolling a defender, Bright Say Samuel sort of came in, was raw. The next year you're like, oh, we can beat his man. He's a, there's a player there. Year after he was really good. The year after that he was too good. And then and then he went. And that that has to be the philosophy for us as a club to to have smart managers who play good football that allows us to have to get better players in because they want to be there and for the collective to get us 
to to be better than than individuals and and that is our best way of staying in this division this year i think it's going to be very very tight but i think i think if we hang in there and hang in there in games i i do i do think we've got the right guy to get us out of it if if you are looking for a bit of hope on that I don't want to be funny or anything, but I wish I if I had been on the Titanic with you, you'd have been great. <laughs> you'd have been beside the band. You'd have been starting to sing song. It would have been marvelous. Oh, I mean, don't no. ask me if we're going to stay up. But ask me if, if what I would say is, I, whenever we're playing, whenever I'm watching us, I'm going. This is so much better than Ainsworth. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah right. much you've, better. Than you've, you've got someone who, and and I know you. you People talk about the fine margins, but it is fine margins. And and, and how many of the last three or four games have we lost because of fine margins? And and Sefuentes is is a manager who clearly focuses on detail, whereas Ainsworth would have been just work harder, run faster, and we'll win more games. Yeah, and that that's not how you're going to win. It's going to rely on yes, fixing the set pieces. That in theory is should be straightforward because it's very easy to focus on doing a job when you can concede a corner. Um, but it's going to rely on, fi- on on fixing those fine margins, but also and, and getting the best team and getting Cook and Clark Salter at the back and getting um, yeah. Willock and Chair. Playing. We're so light as a squad. That's a, that's a huge problem. Is that like I say, like even say say someone like Ilias Chair. If you've got Ilias Chair against Millwall away, great example. He's working his nuts. He's trying his best, but he's all alone. But if you have him and Willock together. That's two players that the opposition have got to be concerned about. And then all of a sudden, we can hurt the opposition a little bit. But when it's just Ilias Chair or it's just Willock, it makes life really, really difficult. Be, and, be, and they're often be, injured. And there be, are moments, you can see there are moments where Chair looks up and, and he almost doesn't want to pass to the player he sees. You see you see that. and and, and But he sees a Willock or he sees Powell and, and, and you can see he's confident playing them in. I don't know, because with Willock, I mean, the Ipswich game, we played really well. Right? People can say that we played the second stream team. I don't care about that. We got a point. That's all that matters. And we looked better. But Willock, again, just sort of came into the game and didn't... I don't know. Maybe maybe the management... I think with him, he's already... He's got one and a half feet out of the building. I know we've been saying this for a long time now, but that's what it looks like to me. He's, he's, in his mind, he's left. But again, it comes down to how many managers we've had. How many people haven't signed contracts? People haven't been offered deals. It's a bit of a shit show. And then you get people spreading rumours like, oh, we're going to get done for FFP again. And clearly, we're not. Um, we won't know until next year's accounts come out what's really going on and, and where we really are. I mean, just coming to that, Kevin, quickly, why are people starting rumours that we don't need? I mean, we can shit a bed, as Jim quite rightly said, without that. I think the simple point is that the fine is nothing to, is totally outside this and would always, mm-hmm. was always being paid. So it's just, it's just people bored, causing tr- trouble from that point. I think the biggest problem we've got is consistency of performance of players, i.e., they play well against Ipswich, was a solid performance. And then that first half against Cardiff, where they were just scared of their own shadow to play the ball, is that if Sifuentes can sort out that being more more consistent, because there's no what the hardest thing they've got at the moment is when teams suffocate them in midfield. The good teams give them space. The good, better teams give you space. The teams that come along this road and just Cardiff weren't very good. They were terrible. And but the point is. Just suffocating our passing channels, 
they are, they're looking around thinking, well, what do I do now? And if Chair isn't there and if Willock isn't there, and midfield does look very does look weak in that way, and it's just that how he how they figure out a plan B to deal with teams suffocating them. Well, the, the, the plan B is that we need um, the Zill to get on the ball more, and that doesn't seem to happen because he don't seem to know he's playing for a while. He seems to have he seems to have regressed. I mean, a lot of players' confidence is has probably gone down a bit because of the inconsistency of performance. So from that point of view, it's like they need they it's like building building up building up again. I mean, this next sport, these next games in January are a massive effect on our home form for the rest of the season in that way, because we've got three games in a row. And we're gonna win them all, aren't we? I worry about Watford's away form. If we were playing at Watford now, I think we'd have a better chance. Can we switch That's it? Good. <laughs> Didn't go so well at the start of the season. Watford's away form. Watford's away form and our home form. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's not a great cocktail. Yeah, that's all. That's all about that. But I just think that it's getting the consistency of performance because, as everyone says, our squad is so thin. We actually need a higher level of performance. And what worries me about every game that we not hitting towards that, the average, the average we need per game now. Is getting higher and higher towards a, a top half team. Mm. And if it keeps going up, it's going to be towards a team pushing towards the playoff, and that's the hard tariff about it now because we're it's like we're behind on snookers. I often do this podcast to cheer our listeners up. I say <laughs> to myself, "It's Thursday. How do we cheer it up for Sunday?" And then I invite Kevin on and realise. Uh, the real, the real. The, we're going to be realistic. I mean, I, I, I kind of, I don't know. I'm going to go around. I'm going to start with Steve and work our way around. How do we stay up, Steve? Can we stay up? And that's the same for all of you, yeah, Steve. First. Yeah, okay. So, um, when I when I first joined you, Paul, on this podcast, I think it was after the Watford game, and um, yeah, I said to you then, my baseline was relegation because just the state the squad was in, um, Ainsworth, etc. But as James said, you know, the, we're hanging in games. Our defensive numbers under Cifuentes is is very, very good. Apart from the set piece defending, of course, um, which can be worked on. You know, those things can be fixed. Um, so, and if you look at some of the teams around us and their defensive numbers, I mean, Plymouth are awful defensively. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I look at, you know, part of this is also, can we improve? Are others going to either stagnate or um, come down a bit? And, yeah, you look at something like Plymouth and they've just gone through a big change with the manager. Um, they're definitely one to watch in terms of sliding down the league purely because their defensive numbers are so poor. Um, the same is true of Huddersfield. Uh, Rotherham, you know, it's this isn't a done deal, and where we've improved in that area significantly. Um, the big issue is is that we can't really get anything going at the other end of the pitch. So um, and now, do we have the talent, you know, offensively to do this? Not sure. We do need Sinclair Armstrong to stop finishing the chances that he gets. Um, he's got one of the worst ratios between goals scored and expected goals of, of any forward in the division. So that's not a great place to be. But the but the talent is there. So hopefully we see that mature a bit um, for the remainder of the season. And if we can start getting that right, 
we can start getting a bit more out of the fullbacks going forward. Cannon and Powell, they can do it. Um, of course, if we can bring anybody in in January, which is a whole different story, then yeah, the the, the ingredients are there to stay up. Um, it's not a done deal, but as Kevin has said, the points tally that we're going to require to do this, the points per game that we're going to require to do this from here is is, is getting higher and higher. The next three games, you know, I think by the end of January, we'll have a very good idea as to whether this is realistic or not. Those home games are absolutely crucial, but they're a massive opportunity. We shouldn't fear them. They're a massive, massive opportunity to pick up points and put pressure on the teams above us. Whereas James is definitely on the Titanic with him, you're a bit of a maybe. Nick? I, I, we, I think we absolutely can stay up. Um, our first oh, choice team is good enough to stay up. <laughs> I mean, I'm in the lifeboat with James. Um, no, we can stay up. I, I, Steve is absolutely right. The next three games are critical. Um, and and you've got to go for, you, you know, we, we need nine points from them. Um, and we should be able to get nine points from them if Ooh. we put the best team, our, our, our first choice team out and and they play. And Sofrentes, I think a couple of weeks ago in an interview, talked about taking risks in the right part of the pitch. And 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 that's something we need to get right. It's we need to take more risks in the in the attacking third. We need to get. You remember the beginning of last season when we were uh, you know playing so well under Bill. We had Chair was getting ahead of Dykes without Dykes coming back into into centre midfield. So we've got to get those players up and playing up and around him and getting ahead of him. Um, and then obviously learning how to defend set pieces, which is probably hard because in training, when we're training how to defend set pieces we've got our own team taking the set pieces and as we know we're pretty poor at taking set pieces as well as scoring them, as well as defending against them let me should try it with wilston then james we can absolutely stay up i think we look you need a bit of fortune in there um i think we needed so much more fortune with with ainsworth but that's the whole point of the way that fifuentes plays is it's about control and that kind of takes an element of the luck out of it. Like I said, if we've got the ball, they can't score. <laughs> like that makes us a, a better, better um, proposition. I think uh, I agree with Steve in, in the fact that I think there's, I think there'll be five teams adrift kind of near the end. Um, I think it's Huddersfield, Sheffield Wednesday, us, uh, Rotherham. And I agree. I think, I, I think Plymouth could be down there as well with the goals that they're, that they're shipping. I think the rest of them will have enough squad uh, quality in their squad to, to stay up and, and stay up quite comfortably. Um, but for me, I think it's, we need to get fortunate with injuries. Um, that that's sort of Cook, Field, Chair, Willock, Dykes, I would say, um, in terms of those guys staying fit, that all of a sudden is a much better spine. Um, I think we need to be a hell of a lot braver because I can see the style of play that we're trying to play. But there were, the, the Cardiff game, for example, was infuriating in the first half because we're, we're cowardly in midfield. And I mean that in the sense of get get side on, take the ball on your back foot, turn and go. And if, if you remember in the second half, when we start to show a bit more intensity and bravery because we're running out of time, there was a moment where I think Begovic played it to Field, who turned, who played it to Dixon Bonner, who turned, who played it to Paul Smith, who got in and, and, and we were in. And, it, and mm. so a lot of it is about belief. Those three games that we're, we're talking about, I think we all know how big they are. And so... The, but the first one, you you know, somehow win that one. And then that leads to that belief. And then, you know, after the first five games under Fuentes, I think we all felt quite comfortable that we've got a real shot of, because you could see it. You could see we were better. 
We weren't like utterly useless in games like we were before. It was awful. And we're, we are in all of these games. We've had five clean sheets since he's come in. These are all good things. The problem is scoring goals, of course. But I think if you, I think if you can get people fit and, and keep them fit, then, then you give yourself a, a chance. I've got to um, single out Dixon Bonner as well because he can be braver. Like he's played for Liverpool. Like he's, he's got the ability. He to, shows glimpses to, of it as well. Yeah, but he, do you know what he does? He drops, you'll see it next time. He drops to a really safe place to pick up the ball. He needs to stay where he is to get it and turn and then we can get him behind the, the opposition. Um, we have a, a, our squad, I don't think I've looked at a game and looked at the opposition's uh, bench and thought, We've got a be better bench than them, and that makes that's the reality of it. It's going to be incredibly difficult. Um, something needs to click, you know, simple as that. But it's not. We're not being deluded. Just things need to come together, which which they haven't. But I think we've got a better chance than we did before. And it's, it's, it's we talk about luck, but it's discipline as well. Mm -hmm. um, Fields, uh, you know, two games away from a, a two bookings away from a ban, isn't he? Um, how many of those bookings have been silly little pullbacks where he, that he didn't need to make? Dazelle sending off was ill-disciplined. You know, it, it's it, it, they've, they've, they've got to show that as well. Yeah, you're so, right, and and uh, sort of you know personal accountability and leadership. That's the set pieces thing. I bet I bet if one if if Cooks fit most games, I think we concede a lot less set pieces for yeah. one. But I, I've I remember, I've played for teams where where they've gone down and they've conceded a lot of goals and set piece. And it's one where you get a corner and you kind of, all you're thinking is, please don't come near me. And that is the worst. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm seeing in this group of players that you're going, please go straight to Jimmy Dunn so he can just edit it. Or please, Begovic, come and get it. And Begovic, I think to for Fuentes' point, is he said, you know, he's an older dude guy and he's a big lad. So it's like, let me come and try and sort this out. And then he's making stupid mistakes. So that is where I... My sort of, I struggle with my hope for QPR is the fact that when it comes to those set pieces, this group of players have let us down time and again. You know, a lot of them have, sadly. So he needs to fix the set pieces thing for sure. Because if you take away all those set piece goals, it I know it's easy to say, but again, it's very different. Like the Cardiff were terrible. Mm. <laughs> and they scored two set worse. piece goals, mm -hmm. you lost. Do you know what I mean? That's what that's, and they were just a big team, weren't they? So we get a set piece, and they're not really worried. So that needs that has to be fixed in some way. But the open play element of it is much, much better. Kevin, I think if they can do budgetary wise, they've got to allow them to bring some a couple of players in. We particularly need some pace. We desperately need some. We we need some pace in our squad. The squad. The problem is that we haven't got that many offensive options. If like when you see Chair and Willock's not there, you're like, well, oh, that midfield. So you're limited. So now you're depending on Paul Smith to get some crosses in, and then they're being careful with his game minutes. So I think they have to get him something. Uh, we need your Clark Salters and your Cooks. To play fit with Jack Callback, you know, when will he be back? Uh, I think it's that it's the cons the consistent. We need consistency in with the t with the team, but we also need it that there's a regular team is kind of available is quite kind of available for most games. I think that's the factor. If you can do that and get on a roll like we were pre Christmas, 
the teams, although the gaps increased, I mean, how it really showed it was if we had beaten Millwall on Boxing Day, we'd have gone level and look how far Millwall are after a good Christmas mm. away from us now. Right. So from that point of view, we've got, you know, we need to win two of the two of the the Huddersfield games huge. I feel the Millwall games huge. We need to win at least two of these home games and then start picking and pick, and then pick away again up. If we can get ourselves, if we can get on a roll and you're in a position where you're on momentum going into late spring, then you've got, a, then there's a decent chance. See, I disagree with James. Sorry, James. I think Wednesday are on the turn, um, personally. Um, and I think they've got goals at them as well. And I don't think we have as many will have. I think it's going to be between us, Rotherham. Um, I thought Coventry were going to be in it, but then they decided to wise up and start playing well. No, I thought Coventry would always go well second half once the players they bought in set. No. But it's, it's a good how they're going to be playoffs. Minimum. It's a good point though, Kev, about this transfer thing. Now, everyone we talk to, and everyone, I mean, I don't hear any rumours because no one tells me anything, and I don't mind that. And I'd forget anyway. So if they did tell me something, I'd forget. But it doesn't seem like we're going to be able to bring someone in for whatever reason, money-wise, FFP or anything. I think people will leave, though. I think someone will go because look how many players we've got out of contract, so we can't refuse to decent bid on someone. Well, I mean, Dykes might go to Scotland for ten million for Celtic before the Euros. Or something. would be the one I would think. Which God, one? I would. I'd. I'd carry him up there. Ten mil. <laughs> well, I've got ten mil for Dykes. I've got to drive him. The thing is, do we think, do we think, now here's, here's a question, I'm going to, again, but I'm going to start this time with Steve again. Are we streamlining with Ramsey going and things behind the scenes seem to be him? Or is Riley, the mysterious Riley, who no one seems to know that much about, but with no digital footprint at all, is he starting to flex his muscles as an investor and say, what the hell's going on with his club? Um, well, it's impossible to say, isn't it? I mean, I think... Who, who knows? I mean, you, you know, we're talking a minute ago about rumours and speculation on social media and all this kind of stuff. Mm. And I think that kind of comes about. Yeah, obviously, it's bored people with nothing better to do. But it, but that kind of thing um, uh, goes viral because of this kind of lack of communication generally at the club. Um, you know, why is Chris Ramsey gone now? That's a yeah, it could be for any number of reasons. Uh, we have no idea, really, and it's and it's probably pointless speculating on it. I'm sure we'll find out in the fullness of time. But yeah, it's this kind of lack of communication from, um, you know, Lee Hoos or Riley um, it, to, to kind of explain, you know, what, what's what's the kind of vision, what's the kind of near term vision, I guess, for the club. You know, no one's expecting them to go chapter reverse on everything that's happening behind the scenes, but something that we can sort of get behind for the rest of the rest of the season. Um, it's interesting about Riley not having a digital footprint. I mean, that <laughs> there's a LinkedIn profile that follows me <laughs> that's called Richard Riley, and, it, and you know, it talks about you know he went to Dartmouth College, which is a very prestigious business school in. Um, in the US. Uh, so I think he, he does have you. Yeah, it was a bit random. It just appeared. I think because I possibly, when I was drunk once, um, followed him <laughs> on LinkedIn and then he's kind of come back months later. Um, I mean, it looks pretty genuine to me, but I mean, there we go. Who knows? Um, but anyway, like I say, it's this kind of communication um, 
uh, side of things that the club really just has to address because in the absence of that, you're just going to get all of these rumours about FFP and speculation that many people will will believe because it fits with the kind of this kind of malaise that's existing around the club at the moment. So, and yeah, the Chris Ramsey thing uh, this week, again, just, just feeds into that kind of thing. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, I think they could do a bit more um, in that, in that respect. Or was he just a victim of the fact that we've got the worst records in the league of losses and transfer recruitment hasn't been good. And Oh, well, but just on that, I mean, that, yeah, I mean, absolutely. That, it's weird, isn't it? Because you get a lot of people saying very nice things about him when he was going and the tweet from Brian Coley's father, etc. And that's all fine. But we've made, I looked this up actually the other day, we've made, in terms of player trading, so that's not just the academy, but player trading generally. And since relegation in 2015, we've made about 3 million euros profit. It's a bit back of fag packet because there's some undisclosed fees and stuff, but about 3 million Bristol City in that time, as a comparison, and most of this is driven from their academy, uh, have made about a 50 million profit in terms of player trading in that same period. Um, Brentford, who we all, who I always end up talking about on this Here podcast, we go. Um, they, and again, this didn't really come from their academy, but their player trading has yielded uh, about 100 million uh, euros. Um, between 2015 and the time they were promoted to the Premier League, so that that I mean, even Birmingham, Birmingham, I think made a, about 15 million profit in the time they've been in the Championship, same time as us. So again, well, basically, we had the sold Ezzy, Steve. Sorry, we had the sold Ezzy. Fucking hell. Yeah, exactly. And our and our three million sort of net net uh, uh, profit is um, is driven by a single player. Um, yeah, a bit of money for Luke Freeman, a bit of money for Senny Dieng and uh, Alex Smithies. But that's really it. I mean, it's a frightening record, really. And again, if you look at it in the context of some of those other clubs, those are clubs that we are supposed to be competing against. And they're having a massive, massive advantage and head start over us because they have these processes kind of uh, worked out in terms of how they're recruiting, how they're scouting and uh, and what their academy pathway is. It's stuff we really, really need to work on. Nick? Yeah, I, I, I worry that there's something that, 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 that it's become a bit of a toxic work environment. And, and I've worked in places where people start leaving and, and you suddenly go from a business that talks about a lot about the positive stuff that's happening there and everyone closes ranks. Um, and, and the more people leave, the more toxic it becomes. And that's that's my big worry is that there's something that, that within the club that nobody knows about unless you're inside that, is, that has turned toxic and that's very, very difficult to fix. Um, Nick, I hope I'm wrong. With, with that in mind, I was just thinking about it. You're, you're probably the right person to kind of ask with it. I, I'm never, I don't really subscribe to it a lot of the time, but there's there's often a feeling of sometimes you need, do you need to kind of, go down to reset a lot, a lot of oh, people no, no. talk about that how do you what do you think about that in terms of that toxicity because i think part of the problem is consistently losing games you know mm -hmm. that that changes everything yeah so do, do you think there, especially with all the contracts that are up and everything else and to your point steve i think that so the thing with say brent Brentford and how they've continued to, to rise is that they kept selling their striker when they went, well, no, just hang on to him because we might go up next year. But uh, 
Ali Maxwell does the not, not the top 20 podcast. He, he always says to me, selling is good. And when you think of all the names that we should have sold, we should have sold them when they were kind of at their peak. And we, we've not really done that with any of them aside from Eze. So now with the situation that we're in, do you think there's any validity in that idea? If, if it is as toxic as it feels when you've not got Les anymore, you've not got Ramsey anymore, to, to do, you, do you think relegation, is it you know utter disaster or is it, could it be a good thing? I, I think it's a massive risk. It's a massive mm. risk. Um, I think it's too big a risk to 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 take. Um, clearly, it might be forced upon us, and you would hope there are all sorts of contingency plans um, in place, or at least being worked on at the moment in case we do go down. But I don't think anyone should ever look to go down to rebuild. Um, it's just too big a risk. It's it's and and maybe the toxicity's gone. Maybe maybe the issues were around, you know, what people talked about, the boys club of Ferdinand and Ramsey and maybe, you know, and, and maybe now has been the appropriate time to get rid of them. I don't know what, you know, their contracts say or anything like that, but. Um, what, what do you think solves that toxicity that you're talk, talking about? Um, It's hard. It's, without knowing what it is, it's hard. I mean, it, it, you know, mm. sometimes it comes from the top. I think, I think actually a lot of it was, was a bit of, um, Poor leadership. I, 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 you know, I'm not sure that that Fernandez spent so long at the helm. I'm not sure that he was necessarily the right person to inspire everyone that works within the football club. He, you know, he, he, uh, I, I don't know. Um, I, I was, I, I always thought that Amit was 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 a sensible pair of hands at the club. Um, so I was, I was disappointed when he stepped back. Um, and, and sometimes when bright, very bright people have that step away, that's also a, a worrying sign. Um, but I don't, without knowing what it is, I don't know. But you know, some it is sometimes it is just cutting it out and 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 and, and rebuilding. Yeah, but I don't think going down to rebuild. I think we have to survive to rebuild. I think the, the, the thing that set alarm bells to me about us not being run properly is when. Fernandez upset Hammersmith Council and then he upset somebody else and he was talking about land and building that we didn't even own, which is fine. And he kind of pleased and, he, and we had to take him off. Ruben came in and tried to move the waters and everything else. But the one that sticks out to me was when Les on the, and I keep going on about it, the podcast, sacked Warburton more or less on a golf day. I don't you know know what I mean? I hope that he got, he got uh, unofficially reprimanded for that because how could he be talking to, uh, a broadcast journalist about that conversation when nothing's been said to the supporters of a football club and mm. when it's been agreed with the individual whether something should be announced. That was utterly shabby and shameful. And we now, fell off a cliff after that. The problem is, and then he didn't go off to Hong Kong after that for us to do Ooh. some charity thing. But what I would yeah. say the problem is, at the moment we've got Lee Hughes wearing more hats than Mr. Ben. And the other problem is, for a while they worked on this theory: whatever the manager get, whatever the manager wants, the manager gets. So Beal was t told that the these players didn't have to be sold. Then Critchley wasn't there long enough, but he did bring in Jamal Lowe, and then Ainsworth wasted our money, a totally against the model of bringing old players with no sell-on value whose contracts, I think, go up next year because we couldn't afford to pay them the amount they wanted. Yeah, that's true. And 
Yeah, the point was, if they hadn't got the deals off us, they might have retired. They might not have got deals. You see players now retiring because after a few months when the window's shut, they realise people are spending money on younger models. So realistically, something's got to give. And like everyone says, there's got to be a reset where they actually show a short-term vision because at the moment, we don't hear from Lee Hughes anymore. Uh, yeah, I think that... What I keep coming back to is I think transparency is good. Transparency comes from when you have alignment. And I think alignment happens when you have a long-term vision and you kind of get ego out of the way of it. And I think at every hurdle, I think we had something, but I think I think we've lost that alignment. And I think some some egos have have got in the way at different times as well. And that's now we're at a place now where, like you say, it, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel transparent because they're not aligned, you know. And, and no so, transparency is good when you've got a plan, and you and, and every, exactly. as you say that that brings alignment and 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 everyone's happy. Uh, I'm not surprised Hughes doesn't say anything. He gets all sorts of abuse now, doesn't he? From, from, yeah. Um, I've seen it in person at the games and and, and online. Um, but and you've got to think he he's come from a sensible background, Southampton and Burnley. You know, it did well, well there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we could run in, we could ruin anyone's career. Ask any <laughs> player, any goalkeeper, any striker. The um it, it's just sad though, isn't it, Steve? Because at the end of the day, like how much of this as a fan base can we take? That's what worries me more than anything. It's 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 one thing to be kicked every two or three weeks, but we're being kicked every week now. And uh, we all swords like us, that's me and Kevin, you lot are still relatively young. Only uh, it's terrible really. We've seen better days, but I fear for the kids sometimes because of they've only known a struggling championship side, Stephen. You know, how, how do we turn this around? Um, well, we turn it around by engaging the fan base a bit more, as has been kind of, you know, just discussed, really. Um, I, 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 uh, Nick touched on it. Relegation to League One does not help this one. Bit. Um, not at all, given our size. Exactly. Mm. I mean, look, relegation to League One, yes, okay, the financial rules are a bit more liberal. I don't doubt that um, whoever is the owner at that point um, would put some money up to kind of get the team promoted uh, within a couple of seasons, but there's no guarantee that's going to happen. And the longer you're down there, the fan base just ebbs away until you're left with a sort of husk of who's left and who would go every like week. Charlton have been down there, haven't they? For... Charlton is absolutely the kind of that template of what happens to a, a big city club that enjoyed many years in the Premier League, consistent, probably overachievement. But um, look at them now. And of course, the further that's you the, fall, the the more, yeah, and the, and the further you fall, the more you uh, there's a danger that you have a vulnerability to end up in the wrong hands in terms of ownership uh, because you are desperate. I mean, I look at actually what's happening at Everton at the moment um, and looking at the kind of people who want to take over at Everton. And they're obviously still in the Premier League. They may well stay up, but they don't have the best record, those people. That's all I'll say. Um, mm, yes, but, such a shocking uh, record. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so, uh, but yeah, I, I think we need to we need to provide a vision. We we don't really we had something resembling a vision during Warburton's first couple of years, um, but that's as long as it lasted until stuff started to go a bit wrong with that. We panicked, and then we went from one extreme to the other, where we bought uh, four four loan players in in the winter window to keep us up, essentially. 
and then suddenly we're having these uh, uh, delusions about going up the next season, regardless of how how good the form had been. And you just can't really run a football club like that without that kind of central vision. There is the other thing about League One, just quickly, is there are so many. I think I might have mentioned this before on here, but there are a lot of forward-thinking clubs at that level. You know, we spoke about Plymouth. Obviously, they've come up out of it, but you know, you've got teams like Oxford. Um, you've still got some. You know, relative big hisses down there like uh, Derby, Bolton, Portsmouth, or what they are. Yeah. You know, there, there's no guarantee we'd we'd come back up in that environment at all. So, um, staying up absolutely crucial to the long term health of this football club, without a doubt, and the provision of a vision that the fans can get behind, um, and uh, and and fan engagement, genuine fan engagement, not just doing a fan forum after a couple of good results um the consistent uh communication with the fans would be great oh and my pet hate a new stadium down the line but that's not going to happen for about 15 years <laughs> so not, not um, in my lifetime i think uh, i've been willing uh, maybe to not in my lifetime either actually paul but yeah. yeah i think james here's a question for you as as steve was quite rightfully talking about finances and i'm you know you know i drive a van i'm not the brightest joking Everyone hates me saying this to podcast. I'm just joking, people. I'm an Einstein, really. No, all joking aside. How much money's coming into the championship next season? Is this the worst possible time to get relegated from the championship? Um, so uh, I'll be honest. I do have an answer for you, but in terms of actual numbers, I, I don't have much there. What I would say, because I, I I prefer to focus on the game itself. Mm-hmm. But what what is is glaring to me is not is 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 gaps. So gaps between the newly promoted teams in the Premier League and the rest, um, and then gaps between the top three in the championship and the rest, and and therefore those, those gaps continue. And then, you know, those teams that kind of, the Rotherhams that sort of go up and, and go down uh, time and again, it's again, that there are these gaps. Barnsley used to do it, didn't they? There are these gaps. And I think the whole financially... I'm guessing, but it feels true, is that the, the sort of the whole football period is just getting kind of stretched, right? Mm-hmm. And and those gaps are getting bigger and bigger. And so, you know, I was putting it out there as a, you know, from a from a more sort of um working environment point of view, that, you know, that kind of that reset and that ability to sort of breathe and, you know, kind of go again. I remember us, you know, in division two and there was an element of a kind of went down, you're like, oh. We're winning some games and we're sort of dominating a game. And I have a lot of this nonsense where people kind of like, why do you support QPR? Like I had a chat with a guy the other day and he was like, oh, who do you support? And I went QPR and he gave me the stare. And then he said, oh, QPR is my local team. I was like, who do you support? Man United. And I was like, why are you supporting Man United? Support QPR. He went, which, and he got so confused. He He said, what? What I can't support QPR. They're they're my local team. I went, no, you're not supposed to support Man United. And he went, fair point. And and so like it's uh it's difficult, but I think when you are winning games, you've seen that as well, time again and again, that that can be exciting. And I think back in those days, and and always one thing I've always been sort of I think it's always been a blessing for us is being a London club. And and that does attract players, that does have a lot of other teams that you can take players from as well at times when you need those loans, if you can do the loans correctly, although loans are harder and harder to to do. But I, I agree that we should sort of 
you know, we need to hang in there and, and go again um, and just be smart. You know, we're never going to be the biggest. So we've got to be smarter. And I thought we were on that road. I, I, I was I was on something with Clive Whittingham a, a year ago, maybe. Yeah, the start of last season. I was like, I'm really proud of this club. I'm really excited about the young players that we're bringing through. I can understand what we're trying to do. Um, but now in hindsight, there are several players that we should have sold. We should have sold because we should have understood where we were in the food chain. And then you get yourself, you somehow sneak yourself into the Premier League. And then when you're there, you then, you know, you can then kind of readdress it again. So answering a few questions here, but like, absolutely, we don't want to go down. Two, I think we've got a great manager that I think with a summer could probably find a lot more gems around the world. That's another thing I would say is that mm. there's a lot of, there are a lot of good players that are, you know on this planet, and and so like in Serie A or those other leagues now, they don't have the money to compete with the Premier League. So what they do is, they they find they do a bit like Brighton. They go they find who are the best players in Ecuador, who are the best players in South America, who are the best players in Norway. Like and we've got a guy who knows that area of the world. Um, so you can be smarter than the rest. Brighton have proven it. Brentford have proven it. Um, but we've got to be we've got to be smarter. And, and more transparent and I agree that's the thing is I think if we had a plan and we're going we're going over there we're going to be really smart when our players are really good and if they're within two years of their contract they will be sold and we're smart enough we're going to go and get another one I think we're all I think QPR fans will go that makes complete sense off you go what we used to do yeah well we had a plan I think as Kevin, Kevin was saying earlier we had that plan didn't we and then suddenly you know we gave up on it got we got excited and, uh, we got excited yeah. didn't we and, I think and, that and... was poor leadership from the board yeah, it was the owners got getting excited. Away, getting carried away when the point was they forgot what happened before when they did such things. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Kevin, do you know how much money is coming in next season from the championship? It's, it's a lot more, isn't it? I know that it's going to be. The new deal is a, lot, is a lot more, but I don't know. Is it next year it starts or is it year after? I don't know. But it is a lot more and then people get fixated about that i understand it's a big a percentage of our revenue but the biggest the most important thing is that we actually get back to being properly run i wonder i wonder if we if we win one more game they'll put the prices up like i did last season what was it the prices went up in season tickets we won two home games i mean you know win three home games who can you imagine <laughs> doubles Gross. Also, more money coming in with it, it. It will just get lost up here. It will, it will just drive prices up and salaries up and 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 everything. Generally, they go to players, don't they? The, yeah. the money goes to. Well, this is what. But this is my point. Now I'm looking at that. Do you know what the sad thing is? And I know we're going to wind the podcast up because I guess everyone's got a life apart from me. Um, and I'm thinking it's the same old again, isn't it? We're waiting for the end of the season to get rid of a shitload more players to bring a shit more load of players back in again. And you you talk about plans and building and having a happy environment. As long as you keep a revolving door of managers, players, and everything else, you're not going to have that. That's just simple ethics of work, and that worries me that we got another. Is the bright point that he is a real? They've lucked out getting Sefrentes. and yeah, that's the one thing we go down. If we go down, which is, we don't want to, we keep Sefrentes. I agree. He is the positive. Because look, yeah, he, he transformed a team that we thought were down into something to believe in, even though they've just lost their way recently. 
Yeah, we've got some kind of hope. Right, I'm going to start and I'll go through again. I've decided, by the way, I don't want to be in the Titanic with any of us because I think we're all jinxes and it would probably sink anyway. So I think we're probably best off if none of us get them tickets. Um, Watford Saturday, school prediction, and how do you think it could go and how badly could it go wrong if it goes badly wrong and how good could it be? Steve, simple question. Uh, I mean, obviously, this one's our hardest of these three games that we've been talking about. Um, I'd absolutely take a draw in this one. Um, okay. If we can, if we can, if we've learned some lessons on the training ground with set pieces, would would be would be a good start. But Watford have a bit of a um, vulnerability from set pieces as well. They have they're actually one of the few teams that are below us in terms of expected goals conceded from set pieces. So wow. um, so there's something to hang your hat on. Um, <laughs> yes, Steve. <laughs> Love that. Lee, Lee Hughes gets another hat stand. So, what's your prediction? So, so one all. Sorry, go, we'll go for a draw. One all. We yeah. won't score more than one goal, Paul. So, uh, well, we did Saturday. That's true. That's all right. That's true. Yeah, well, heavily deflected from Dykes, but they all count. Doesn't matter if it comes off his arse. Doesn't matter. Nick, you haven't been away for a while. Well, I have been home. away, so I'm going to stay positive <laughs> until. About half past one on Sunday. Um, I'm, I'm going for a two-one win. Oh, I like it. You might want to go away afterwards. Um, yeah. Okay. Fair enough, James. I, I get asked predictions a lot, and I find this utterly pointless to not say we're going to win this game. So we will win <laughs> this game. We will win it two-nil. For Fuentes' masterclass, it's going to be fine, guys. Okay. Your dad's probably listened to this banging his head off the the the, the um the table, he's, but it's fine. He's worse than me, to be honest. He's more optimistic than me somehow. Oh, good. We'll get him on as well then. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to love it. Oh, good, man. We'll give him a, let let him know he's more than welcome. Kevin, the Mister Realist. I'd be delighted with I'd be delighted with a draw because I think the other two are the ones we have to win. I worry about what it's away from, but we, we would be delighted with a draw. See. And so you take a one all or a nil nil or a two all or five all. Oh, five all. I'm fine for that. Seen one before. I'm happy to see another one. That's that's because we're old, Kevin. I snuck that one uh, in. Yeah, that really does show. For the youngsters, that you know, they can Google it. Um, well, they pictures from it. training. The pictures from training that were published this afternoon. They do show well, chair training, and I think I saw Richards there as well somewhere. But oh, you know, Richards, you never know. <laughs> Is he still up? This player? is his time. This is his time. Was uh, Jack Colback there? That's Colback was there. Colback was training. Oh, I don't even recognise Richard if he was doing up his boots. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, that's the last time. Yes, and yes, that was, was that Wigan. Uh, Rotherham. Rotherham. I knew it was. Yeah, Rotherham. He did his. The guys running past him as he's doing his boots. There's some things you never think you see in a football match ever, and you kind of think toxicity, oncurring. Yeah, maybe maybe you guys are right, but whatever happens. Please, God, we stay up and we sort this bloody club out because you know what? All said and done, we don't deserve it. None of us do. We, we've, we've stuck with it. We'll always love our club. And it's something that my wife always says, you know, and she, you know, she's always like, QPR fans, you're passionate, you care about your club, you're bloody obsessed and you're all mad, but we care. And I, and I think it's because we care so much that it hurts so much. And, you know, I just, I just don't want another relegation. If I had too many, I want to stay up. And my thought for Watford is, I'm ignoring the fact they've got a lot of pace on their side and we're terrible against pace. I'm ignoring the fact they've got people who can shoot straight because that's what I'm doing. I'm focusing on the Troy Deeney Cup final mindset that they have for these games and hopefully we can um, 
Oh, no, I mean, I never understood that Troy did. What, I mean, what was that about? They're not even in London, for God's sake. They're down the road from me, and I'm in Hertfordshire. Anyway, ridiculous. Um, I We need to win. That's it. And I'm going for 2-0 Rangers, and I'll take it off anyone's arse. I'll take a handball. I'll take it off anything. I'll take a dodgy refereeing decision. Get, because I, I don't think Millwall and Huddersfield is going to be as easy as we think either, to be fair. I think it's going to be... Knowing Rangers, the Huddersfield game will be the hardest game of the whole lot. Because that's what we'll do. We'll we'll take ourselves to the top of the hill, and then they'll get their size nine and kick our arse right down the bottom of the other end of it. Because that's what this club does for fifty years of my life. It's oh, it's annoying, but that's the way we are. Right, Steve, thank you for coming on again. Uh, you know, it's 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 been good. And uh, yeah, I, you know. I just need to sorry, Paul. I just need to correct something I said earlier. I think they're all wrong. He does have an option on his, uh, or the club does have an option. On his contract, so oh, maybe yeah. maybe the club okay. will maybe the academy will um chalk, when he's sold in the summer, <laughs> maybe the academy could chalk up another win in terms of uh, <laughs> you know um, some profit. So there we go. So, so basically, uh, if we sell him, we'll get uh severance pay, not severance pay. Um, we'll get um what's the word for it? um con- compensation for him. Well, we'll we'll get a transfer fee for him. Well, we can trigger, yeah. So we get full transfer. Can we trigger it? Okay. I I, I don't know the, the exact kind of how it works, but it's um. But no, it's, so, I mean, if he doesn't sign the contract, they are obviously been they have been waving a contract at him for a while. But um, if he doesn't sign that or doesn't intend to, then we have to move him on now. Um, bit like we sort of needed to do with Willock, which was a shame. Um, yeah, because well. that was going to be talked up as a loss, but uh. But no, anyway, no, I had to correct the record uh, because we'll have That's people right. screaming at it uh, as they listen to it. You are allowed to be wrong. We are. I'm wrong all the time. If you speak to my wife, I'm wrong 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and the dog thinks so as well, and he's mad, so it's fine to be wrong. No one expects us to be experts. We're just fans. But that's interesting you say that. I wish we did an option on field. Um, that's the one that worries me, but never mind. Is his, is his up this year? Um, yeah, I think he is up. Yeah, that worries me. Um, he needs to be sold in the summer. Again, I think he's another one who actually is out the following summer. I should have brought this all up. <laughs> um, but no, I think I think he's another one that really has to be sold in the summer. Um, Chair definitely does. And um, I mean, Chair should have gone a while ago, really. But uh, yeah. And who, Taylor Richards, though, I mean, he's here till 2026. So... Um, you know, oh, plenty of time to work on him. <laughs> to work on finding him. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We'll run Westfield on a Saturday afternoon and see where we can find our, 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 our mysterious midfielder. Nick, that's a that's a good debut. And we didn't Thank even get you. to tell you we'll, we'll keep your Paladini story for next time. For another um, day. Uh, the yeah. promotion party. Yeah, that'll be it for the t- yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll do it for that for the um because it's twenty it's of course it's twenty years since two thousand and four, isn't it? So yes. <laughs> And then 10 years since the playoff final, and yeah. we're talking about relegation to League Two, only at QPR, League One, sorry. God, <laughs> jump in the league. But thank you, Nick. You've been brilliant. Pleasure. Thanks um, for having me. Appreciate it. That's all right, mate. <laughs> Misery and company, we have to go together. James, I hope you didn't mind us taking you away from not talking about QPR and making you talk about your, your beloved Rangers. And um, But yeah, you seem to enjoy yourself all right. And thank you for coming on. I did. Loved it. Um, big fan of the pod for a long time. So it's, it's been. Oh, thank you. Oh, God, you make me cry. <laughs> Only the tax man does that. 
or tax woman, whoever it is these days. Um, Kevin, as always, it's good to see you. I, I, I presume I'll be seeing you in some away days soon as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Def- definitely. I can't remember what's coming. What's coming up? Uh, I can't do. I can't do uh, Bristol, unfortunately, because my horse is supposed to be running. But we'll see. You what? My horse. I co-own a couple of horses, and one of them's going to run that day. Well, maybe you should get our scouts to have a look at them. <laughs> okay, well, just put a top on them. <laughs> I didn't. Ex- Sorry, Kev, you threw me there. I did not expect that at all. But okay, fair enough. Well done. Well, listen, lads, let's hope we all get a win on Saturday and we can maybe have a more optimistic podcast next week. But thank you very much. And thank you for everyone who keeps listening to the podcast. We will win again. Don't know where, don't know when, but we will win again. Thank you for listening. This has been Open All Ours.